To say cocktail culture in the Americas was shaped by prohibition would be as vast an understatement as it is cliché by this point. But let's imagine it's the year of our Lord, 1920. You just returned home from a foreign place where people spoke in funny accents and otherworldly dialects. There were strange teas and foods you've never tasted, and something else, a sound you've never heard, a horrible, guttural, bombinating, mechanical roar. Then the screams. Your feet were soaked through and mud covered your face and blood, blood on your hands, blood screams. What language is that? The stench, more blood, and you don't know which one of your comrades now lying lifeless in the muddy trench beside you it belongs to. You hear the order given in French. Look to your commanding officer who affirms and charge en masse through a deluge of gunfire. How can they be shooting so fast? These guns, these guns are like machines. You're snapped back into lucidity by a morose man pulling a cart of brewing tools down the street. Hey, watch it, kid. Sorry, sir. You're back in your native land. You made it out the other side of the atrocities. You're safe. But sometimes the pounding heart and shaky hand need to be quelled. Other people don't understand. They try, but they weren't there. They didn't see, smell, taste the blood. You finally arrive at what you think is the place. Those teetotaling bastards, you think. You did what you did with your head held high for them, and this is what they resort you to? A man can fight, kill even for his country, but can't have a drink? But how bad could it be? After all, you heard Hemingway and Fitzgerald fancy this establishment, if you can call it that. Well, here it is, the back door alley off Bedford Street. You nor and you knock and the door cracks. Um, is this Chumley's? Hey, buddy. You speak easy around here, capiche? The small room is vibrant, juxtaposition to the drab despondency outside. There's a phonograph playing low in the corner and lights so dim you can barely discern glowing faces as you make your way towards a tall oak bar. One man, wearing an austere countenance, flicks his head upward at you as to say without words, What'll it be? There's no menu, no labels on the bottles, but you know instinctively what to ask for. You say, Give me one of those old fashions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pod Tiki, the old-fashioned cocktail. As leaves fall alongside the temperatures here in Nashville, and the patio tiki bars close up for winter, the various remnants of a retro speakeasy movement begin to fill with intemperate Dionysians seeking refuge from the inclemency. Most of the allure of the speakeasy revival has reduced to an eye-rolling secret door, wherein the anachronistic, esoteric Victorian craft furniture has been worn, torn, and adorned by unforgiving flocks of peacoat-laden partygoers. But the tradition of fine craft cocktails in these our modern times is alive and well. Still, of all the cocktails to fall victim to the 18th Amendment, why is it the old-fashioned that seems to have ambled out of the rubble like a soldier crawling from the shell of blissful youth? I contend simplicity is the key. 
The beginning of a craft movement has to begin with a return to classics. And in a post-Stranger Things world, hell-bent and hard up for nostalgia, what better than a throwback to the bygone days of our forebears? I mean, it's literally in the name. Old-fashioned. Beyond all that, I believe this cocktail leads the charge in this modern movement because when done correctly, it actually tastes good. Let's face it, there's a lot of bar menus out there replete with libations featuring ingredients that remind us why they fell out of fashion. Little bottles of tonics, tall bottles of French aperitifs, anise and fernet and pernod and eye of newt and bitters infused with wizard testes. You can keep all of that. I'm looking for something a bit more old-fashioned. To make a traditional, delicious, old-fashioned cocktail, you don't need anything that comes in a drop or, or tastes like potpourri. And great news, you don't need to be wearing a tiny vest, either. Refreshingly, unlike the divisive beachcomber Trader Vic feud, the enmity towards fruit-crushed-infused syrupy over-iced abominations of the old-fashioned seem to be congruent. There are definitely some variations of prep out there, but before we get to that, let's see what's so old about the old-fashioned. Cocktail, as defined by the Balance and Columbian Repository of Hudson, New York in 1806, reads as follows. A potent concoction of spirits, bitters, water, and sugar. It's analogous to the sour, sweet, strong, weak mantra serving as the basis of most tiki drinks. In the before time, these bitter slings, as they were also called, could be served with any of your garden variety, whiskey, rum, gin, as well as some of the, at the time, more exotic tequila or mezcals. The mezcal old-fashioned is well-deserving of its own episode. Bourbon seems to have entered the picture around 1800, when the recipe of splashing bitters atop a sugar cube, adding a few small pieces of ice, and finishing with a generous pour of American whiskey was known as the whiskey cocktail. This was the basis from which all early American cocktails would blossom and therefore eventually became known as that old-fashioned cocktail. It took all the way till 1895 for a proper recipe we may recognize to be published. Dissolve a small lump of sugar with a little water in a glass, add two dashes Angostura bitters, one small piece of ice, one piece lemon peel, and one jigger of whiskey. It would appear that swapping the lemon for orange peel is pretty agreed upon and a lot of reputable tippling spots will add a Bordeaux cherry. The co-mingling of bright orange zest with thick, rich cherry syrup really adds a level to even the grumpiest old whiskey. The Old Fashioned was featured heavily as the favorite cocktail of John Hamm's character in the immensely popular AMC television program Mad Men. Can we blame that show for the speakeasy boom of the mid-2010s? Or perhaps the revival of pre-prohibition cocktails was simply the next step in cultural cocktailia evolution. An answer to the sugary, neon-red, bull-poison nectar of the douche we all tried to pass off as cocktails in the 90s. Thank heaven for hipsters reaching into the flavored Smirnoff abyss and pulling us out of the darkness. On that note, let's make a drink. It should go without saying, by now, if you've read or listened to any other episodes of Paatiki, that no recipe is ever completely agreed upon. But I've distilled the old-fashioned down to two widely popular variants, mixing in a glass or mixing in a beaker. Let's start with the beaker. 
as it's probably what you've seen in your local watering holes. The standard docket is to put a scoop of ice into a beaker, add two drops of Angostura bitters, a quarter ounce of simple syrup, and two ounces of your favorite whiskey. Stir with a bar spoon rapidly till the beaker frosts over, then strain into a cocktail glass. Rocks glass, actually. Peel off a piece of orange zest, twist it over the glass to release the essential oils, rub it around the rim of the glass, and drop it in. Add two to three pieces of ice, spoon out one Bordeaux cherry, and plop that sucker in there too. It's okay to get a little of the red syrup from the cherry jar in there, but not too much. And that's that. The second method is more traditional. In your rocks glass, place one cube of sugar. Soak that thing with two to three dashes of Angostura bitters and muddle that into a paste. Add your orange peel and give that a few pushes with the muddler to release those sweet, sweet essential oil flavors and get it to play real nice with that sugar bitters paste. Add your two to three ice cubes and pour whiskey over the top. Stir in the glass till sugar is dissolved. We're only trying to dissolve the sugar, not melt the ice. The old-fashioned is designed to mellow out throughout the course of the drink. We want it to start out full-flavored and become more nuanced as the ice melts naturally. Add your Bordeaux cherry and serve. I've seen some bartenders use orange bitters in the paste and even add a bar spoon of soda water to help dissolve the cube into a paste. Some folks leave the cherry out, some muddle the orange, and some just twist it over the glass. Honestly, both methods of prep I've found to yield similar results, but despite how fun it is using a bar spoon in a beaker, my penchant towards traditional makes in-the-glass mixing my preferred method. Of course, of course, these are all trifling bickers compared to the real star of this cocktail, the whiskey. Keeping in mind that Rum is my forte. I do reside in Nashville, therefore dwelling among the pervasive ardor of unapologetic, unapologetic over-whiskification. Tennessee and Kentucky are total homers for the boozy grain. I'll go over what I found in my <clears throat> research. Recipes will hold varying nomenclature regarding whiskey and rye. It's, all, it's an all-bourbon and shine is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon or shine scenario. Unlike the rums we've discussed, which have virtually nil in regards to regulation, whiskey in the Americas is highly governed. The blanket statement of whiskey being any spirit distilled from corn, barley, wheat, or rye is where diffuse definitions stop abruptly, as the whiskey industry is rife with high passionados. The whiskey we know and love for the old-fashioned would be your garden variety Tennessee mash, bourbon, and rye, respectively. We begin with a bubbling, bog-like vat of grain, water, and yeast called mash. This is where those sweet, sweet little organisms eat grain and poop out boozy goodness, more or less. In the sour mash style of distilling, each new batch begins with a starter sample from the previous batch. Think Jack Daniels or Dickel. There is a distinct sweetness that finishes on the back roof of the mouth. Rye, being the most intuitively named of all, utilizes a mash made of at least 51% rye. This tends to have a spicy bite. Most popular whiskey brands will have a rye variant. And finally, bourbon, the most finicky, must be distilled with at least 51% corn, be aged at least two years in new oak barrels, and most importantly, be made in the good old U.S. of A. No word on why 51% is the paradigmatic number, but one does not simply argue with a Kentuckian, I do declare.
I generally go for the good old Tennessee Sour Mash whiskey. Gentleman Jack um, from Jack Daniels is my favorite. It's a good all-around house whiskey that rounds off the edges of the Jack Daniels bite. But in a cocktail, things are different. Plain whiskey is almost too smooth for an old-fashioned. The sweet and bitters tend to overpower the spirit. I find cutting back on the sugar helps in that scenario. Rye will push forward in this drink, and a lot of connoisseurs swear this is the way it should be made. The bite cuts through the sweet profile, and I find an extra dash of bitters fills this version out nicely. Grainy spice hits you in the back of the tongue with a smokiness. To say nothing of geographical prejudice, bourbon reigns supreme in the old-fashioned cocktail. I prefer Buffalo Trace, good by itself, on a rock. This brand of Kentucky's finest shines bright and plays all friendly-like alongside the bittersweet citrus rith depth. A caramel sweetness and smooth bourbon texture leads the waltz in this prohibition's most famous derivation. The most important tenet here is to use what you like. Make the drink especially your way. That's what's great about mixing cocktails. It's like a homemade salad. Putting in things you like will greatly increase the odds it will be delicious. Of course, this goes without saying, but as always, I will say it. Please use fresh oranges. Navels are the best for color presentation, but some of the Florida or Mexican oranges from your local Spanish market are just as flavorful and, and cheaper. So here's my personal recipe. In a rocks glass, two bar spoons of raw sugar cane or a half ounce of simple syrup, two dashes Angostura bitters, one thick piece of orange rind, bend or twist it over the glass to express the oils, wipe it around the rim and drop it in. Muddle all of that together, add two ounces of Buffalo Trace bourbon, one cube of ice, stir that up, and lastly, Drop in one Bordeaux cherry along with a little syrup from the jar. Don't stir. Let that syrup just kind of disperse naturally throughout the drink. And there you have it, folks. The old-fashioned cocktail. You don't need to be Ernest Hemingway or John Hamm to imbibe. You can enjoy this old-fashioned in a vintage high-back paisley print chair in a speakeasy or an Adirondack on the patio or even sitting at your writing desk typing up an article about the very drink you're listening to. Just saying. It's also the perfect accompaniment for almost any cigar pairing. It won't blow out your taste buds for dinner or dessert. Make it with rum or brandy or whatever spirit suits your fancy. To answer our earlier question of why the old-fashioned has persevered so well, well, it's the perfect cocktail. Prohibition has been repealed, but the world remains a crazy place teeming with extremely interesting people. So have yourself an old-fashioned and talk to some of them. Most of all, enjoy life. You deserve it. Thank you for listening to Pod Tiki. We'll see you next time.